and welcome to another episode of Careering, where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick both in business and in life. I'm your host, Lori Halter, and I can't wait to have you here today's episode. Let's jump right in. Today on the podcast, I am so excited to introduce you to Allison Sinclair. She is a work-life and identity coach for a company she founded named Live Your Truth Coaching. Welcome, Allison. Hi, Lori. How are you doing? I am doing great. We're so excited to have you on today. And I know you and I have spoken offline as well, and you just have so much to share with our listeners. So I can't wait to jump in with you. Ah, Super. Likewise. So let's start off by telling us a little bit about how you got to Live Your Truth Coaching and what brought you to found your own coaching business. Yeah, it's actually probably a few reasons. I guess there's been two times in my life where I've actually burned out. And the previous time I had kind of gone off in a search thinking, okay, something needs to change in my life. And I kind of went down the route of exploring a few things, but candidly, nothing much came of it. And then more recently, I've been working in tech for about the last 12 years. And certainly last year, I had an illness And in having that illness, it was a bit of a perfect storm. A lot of different ailments all came together at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I had an operation and uh, had a few complications there. And at the the real low point of that, when just for, for shortness, I was struggling to eat, breathe and talk. And I was in such a low point that I guess I had a bit of an epiphany. And it's quite a hard one to describe what actually happened, but I had a moment where I feel I felt like somebody hit the pause button to make me stop or notice or just pay attention in the sense that I felt that I was I was still moving and, and what have you, but the life around me had been put on pause button, almost like you see in a movie where they've hit the freeze. Uh, yeah. I can't remember if that's in like Star Trek or something like that. You know, <laughs> they're, they're able to move around, but they've frozen all the people around them while they make a getaway. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I, I really had this moment of, I guess, awakening that went, hmm, something's really not right. It was, it was a bit of a calling, I guess. And anyway, nonetheless... After my operation, I went back to work in corporate IT at Microsoft, and it was the last quarter of the financial year, uh, undoubtedly one of the most challenging times of the year um, that requires a lot of energy, a lot of resilience to close that year out. And having come back from this operation and this illness, I I really found it incredibly hard. It was exhausting. I was just, I was felt so depleted, even although I had gone back having recovered from the operation. And nonetheless, I muddled through. Mm-hmm. And I think during that process of having gone back, possibly even just a month or two, I was like, mm, no, something has to change here. And I think the first thing was recognizing that whilst I was so exhausted and feeling so depleted, that I couldn't think straight and I couldn't really make any good decisions about anything. And I thought, okay, well, the one decision that I can make is to take some time out and take a step back. And my focus really was all about how can I replenish myself? How can I rejuvenate my energy and and get some sort of sense of vitality back in my life? But having been so run down, that was going to take some time. Um, And that was going to take some some changes. So I took some time out last year 
And long story short, after, you know, employing various approaches to rejuvenate myself and, and try to bring myself back to a place of wellness, I thought, okay, so, so what next then? And I had already done some coach training at Microsoft and it was not necessarily performance related, but it didn't necessarily have the breadth and the depth of approaches and tools from a sort of person-centered psychology uh, standpoint that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to retrain and to do and study transformative coaching amongst a number of other courses uh, along the way. <laughs> Some have described me as a course junkie <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I get excited. Oh, oh I want to learn about that. I want to learn about that. But in doing that coaching course, that was a real revelation and a real journey for me personally. But most of all was finally actually finding what truly resonated with me that felt really congruent to who I am, what I care about, and I guess what lights me up and what gives me joy. Yes. And that, that, that feeling of energy that I got just from doing the course and then subsequently coaching people, you know, I just, I'm overjoyed at the fact that I finally, mid forties, <laughs> I finally found the thing that, that just, it just, it just clicks. Um, I think that's so true of so many. And the funny thing is a lot of the, cl- a lot of the guests I have on the show are in their mid forties when this happens, you know, and I think it takes that long. One of your mottos is live the unlived life within you, which is just so wonderful. Every time I read that line, I get chills. So (laughs) tell me a little more about that. What do you mean when you say you help people live the unlived life? within themselves. Yeah, I think that there's a couple of different inspirations from things I've read, things that I've seen, and especially having worked in corporate IT around the people that I've helped support and develop. But most of us, and including friends and family, I guess, most of us tend to have two lives, the life that we live Mm -hmm. and the unlived life that's within us. And between the two often can stand a whole bunch of things, including our own personal resistance to that potentiality that might be within us right? Um, because it's kind of unknown. And, you know, I certainly think that that's what, what triggered a lot of the changes that I've made is the gap between those two lives, the life that I was living working at Microsoft and the life that I'm now living as a coach um, and, and the creation of that new life. Um, but previously, that inner tension, that conflict, it's very difficult to pin it down, to yep. know what it is, to know why it is that you keep feeling it and to really, truly identify what it means for you and perhaps what action you might take off the back of that realization or getting that clarity. Yes. So, and, it, and it's often easier for us to see that gap in others than it is ourselves. You know, you've got, you've got a family member, you've got a friend and, and you feel they're not living their truth. Yes. They're, and don't you they, feel like you can almost see it? You, and like, I think you're so right that you can't pin it down. But when someone isn't living their truth, it's almost about the way they're going about their daily activities, right? It's a different mm. energy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know you talk a lot about stopping the suffering at home or at work. And when we first spoke about this interview, I just thought that was such an interesting concept, like the idea of stopping the suffering at work. What, what would you say, especially among the women who are you're coaching right now, what kind of is, are some of the top concerns? What are the top things you're seeing when you see women come in who seem to be suffering between life and work? 
Yeah, um, it's a lot of things. But if we were to imagine a funnel, some of the things you know that I'd put in that funnel to simplify my answer would be: Am I being enough? Am I doing enough? Am mm-hmm. I enough? And all of that comes from some kind of assumed expectations or ideation of perfection of how things should be. But to boil it down into two simple words, the common theme that underpins, no matter what presents on the outside that somebody's telling me, what they're feeling, when you really peel the layers of the onion in the coaching, it comes down to self-doubt. Yes, and and the self doubt it just over and over again, and even sometimes in coaching when I'm not necessarily thinking it's self doubt, right? <laughs> the past <laughs> the paths tend to sort of lead straight back to self doubt. Interesting, um, and it's something that you know there's been generalizations made. I don't really have any factual evidence to the case, but. There's a lot of feeling that women tend to suffer that more than men. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But certainly from my experience, you know, we all suffer it to to some extent or or another. But it's typically, you know, given all the roles that they're playing, given all of the images that are around us and this of idyllicness that can be painted around what type of life we, we should have or we could have can really just kind of breed those tendencies to compare And being stuck in that comparison loop just feeds the self-doubt. So it's quite a complex one, but it's, it typically boils down to self-doubt and, and, it, and it can come under such a huge range of things. That's the thing, or guys, you right. know, it can come under the guise of something completely different. But when you go a bit deeper, it, it's self-doubt and, and it's such a fascinating, you know, challenge to deal with as it manifests, as I said, in so many ways. I'm sure. I mean, I can I can see that even in my own life and in the discussions I've had with my friends. I think you're absolutely right about self doubt. You know, as I'm I'm thinking as you're talking through a lot of the discussions I've had over the last few weeks, and it really does, especially with women, as you stated, come from we're not enough, we're not doing enough, we don't have enough. So, what are some steps that you take both your clients through, but also maybe our listeners right now? What can we do to kind of stop that cycle? and uncover what it is that we want so we can make change, especially in regards to self-doubt, as you're discussing. Yeah, I think before we get to self-doubt in itself, to understand what self-doubt is for us, what does it mean for us, how does it, how does it play out in our lives, what triggers it, and so on and so forth, it's really useful to start just by auditing our lives Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess one of the things that again I've found as a common theme is energy and yes. our vitality. And when we're feeling depleted or exhausted or feeling like we're on the treadmill all the time, it doesn't help us think healthy thoughts. Right. And, and that's really the place to start off with is to understand where your energy is currently at today, what's depleting it, what actually boosts it. Because changing your energy really does help you change your life. It's, it's one of the key things. If, if your energy is just not there, it's just, you can do everything else on top of it, but the energy really is the fuel for yes. everything. So that would be my first place to to do a bit of an audit of your life in terms of energy. And I actually did talk about this in um, one of my articles recently, which I all get an energy-related theme. Yes. Because when we get our energy right, just everything else can can more easily fall into place. And I guess it's that thing of, you know, from a place of energy and more vitality, we can then also start to look at our lives in a more objective fashion. 
and really get a sense of where are we now and, and where is it that we might want to get to. And some people think that they know, some people don't know. They might just know that there's things that are not working for them. Right. And my experience is with all clients is to do that life audit. And then you can go as deep as you want and as broad as you want, depending on the client's ultimate focus. But ultimately, how we think affects how we feel, affects how we behave. And I really, truly believe until we understand ourselves, we don't tend to understand much else. So it really is about looking inwards and trying to meet ourselves where we are in that moment, in that day, mm-hmm. at that point in our life, mm-hmm. to really get a deeper sense of really what is going on. Because if we don't fully understand that picture, then we're not empowered to make good choices around what potential next steps are going to best support us. Yeah. I mean, I love you and I talk a lot about energy and I think we both feel very similarly about it. I mean, I'm just such a huge believer in what you put out is what is returned to you. And that, you know, that's exactly, this is kind of falls right within that belief. And I also, my, in my own life, I've seen such a difference when I do something that's inspiring or that I really feel passionate about. It's definitely a different feeling that you're bringing to the table than Mm. if you're, like you said, just kind of slogging away in a job. And I think even along those lines, and we can talk about this a little bit, but it's not even, I don't think you're talking about huge monumental shifts unless the person needs it. You know, I don't think you have to necessarily change your career. Sometimes it's as easy as changing, you know, this is careering was kind of born from this. I, I feel like I'd been in PR for 20 years and I needed something new. And so I started my side hustle, you know, careering and it's brought so much to my life within the last year. So I think sometimes as well, people kind of make the mistake of thinking that they need these huge changes when really just adding one thing that brings inspiration may be what they need. Mm, That is a super, super important point. And it was certainly something I had wanted to share as well, because when we're already perhaps feeling overwhelmed, the last thing we need is a huge list of things to do or a huge (laughs) list of things that you you should, inverted commas, try or you need. And the word should and need... um, are really useful words to be mindful of in your vocabulary because instantly they put uh, they signal to the brain there's a pressure there's a pressure mm. on you I should do this I need to do this and it's funny that you brought this up because a, a client the other day as well they kept saying I need to do this I just need to do that yeah I need to do this and <laughs> I said what in your language could change that could more positively support you and your energy and just changing that need to I could do this Yes. I could do that. It makes it feel more of a choice rather than a pressure. And that changes our energy and can help support and change our mindset. But um, I, I completely agree with you. Everything is actually about simplifying, but finding those really simple things that work for you. Yes. Not let, let's let add 10 more things to your day when you're already, you know, strapped for time. You're already, you know, running around like a headless chicken. <laughs> it, it, it's just counterproductive. And it's a point that a lot of people forget because they're so keen to make a change or they're so keen to have something shift that they put all these things in when actually they maybe only need to do one or two things. And again, it's very much that, you know, speaks to chaos theory or the butterfly effect as a small change can influence a bigger change later. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's very true. 
Yeah. Well, and you're a busy, you're a busy lady. You, you know, you founded your coaching business. You have a really, really vital, like you said, vitality, speaking of vitality, your home life. So tell me what are some tricks that you use in your own life to kind of keep some of the things that you go through with your clients alive in your own practice and your home life? Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because I'm, I'm writing a few things about this at the moment. And I have to confess that, you know, over the years, I have tried and explored so many things Mm -hmm. as a quest to finding out what works for me. On that quest, I I very much approached it, you know, from the point of view that everybody outside of me knows better than me. Yeah, interesting. And really, really, most of the time, they don't know better than you. You know better for you. Yes. And there's a real need for us to listen to our own voices and trust ourselves, find a way to create space, to create silence, to hear ourselves and listen to what it is that we think, what we feel, what we know. But nonetheless, on that journey, I did come across lots of fantastic things. I guess I could say I have a kit bag (laughs) of of various tools that I like to come and pull from depending on how I feel. I guess you could argue it's like, you know, depending what mood you're in, you might want to listen to jazz or you might want to listen to something like, you know, really upbeat because you're doing a workout. So I really pull from those uh, uh, that kit bag, um, depending on what's going on. But if I was to distill it down into a few things that are the main sort of fundamental go-tos would be number one would be sleep yeah. and having sleep rituals to go to bed at the same time every night and get up at the same time every day, even on weekends. Your body loves that. And it just puts you in such a good space, that consistency in terms of our biorhythms. Yeah. Drinking water for energy to support our clarity of thought. Morning, as soon as we get up, to really help flush our organs and waking them up hourly. To really not just hydrate ourselves, but even, for example, when we're feeling stressed out and our cortisol levels are going a bit crazy for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. water helps dilute that a little bit. Interesting. It helps take take the edge off, whereas if you're going to have caffeine, it's going to do quite the opposite. (laughs) Yeah, that's when I have such a hard time with the drinking the amount of water you're supposed to on a daily basis, and it seems so simple. It should be so easy. I I think again, it's it's to come back to the point of everything I'll share today is not saying anybody should do it. Right. It's, It's more offering suggestions. Because sometimes half the battle is knowing where to start. Um, I think in this day and age, we have such access to a plethora of information and resources, which is fantastic. And it does say that there are lots of things that we can do or that are available to us to do. But trying to, again, distill that down and simplify it, something that you want to do, something that's easy to do, and just something that you enjoy doing can be a bit of a journey just to find that and refine it for yourself. And the water, similarly, is just very much about finding what's the optimal level of water for you in a day. Right. Um, Because again, physiologically, we're going to react so differently in terms of our makeup as to how much water I need versus how much water you might need to be optimal. And it's it's a little bit of a test and try on that one because some people are are absolutely fine. But I think in terms of just a general beverage, it's taken me a long time to accept just how powerful water is. Right. Because <laughs> it, was too, it, was too, it was too simple. Yes. Was too, I thought it needed to be something more complicated. But aside from that, I would say meditation at least once a day. We get so in our own heads. Um, I know I certainly do. So really to ground yourself, clear the noise, 
can um, you know free up some of that that headspace. Yes. Um, I just yeah, it's taken me a while to get into meditation and find meditations that I like. Right. Um, find ones that I want to do. And all I would say is to stick with it to find what clicks for you. Just because you've listened to one, you're like, oh, I just can't get into this meditation thing. (laughs) This doesn't feel very good. It's like all of it. Stick with it. Keep trying and trust that in time you will stumble across something that just feels right. Right. And I think it's one of those things. I love meditation. And I've just recently begun to where it's a daily practice for me. But I think it's very difficult, especially if people are used to being go-getters and kind of hurried in their life. I'm a person that I like. I like being very busy, you (laughs) know, but I think (laughs) yeah, it's kind of the balm to that, though. So I think your point of just continuing to do it is so well heard by me because it was really I just... There were some days that I would pull myself into the room kicking and screaming because I didn't want to, but it's, I feel like that's the time when you need it the most, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's even like finding what time of day and what space you right. can create in your day that you're ready. And it is like everything in life in terms of my own personal experience. A lot of things will present themselves over and over again. It's like that piece of advice that you hear from those closest to you, but then somebody you don't know gives you the exact same advice and suddenly it's the best advice you've ever heard. (laughs) You know? I'm very (laughs) good at that. Because because you're ready to receive it, you're ready to listen, you're open to it. And sometimes, you know, we create lots of resistance, which is, again, counterintuitive to what it is that we say that we truly want. And that's a little bit of an example of it is we have to try to, in my, again, in my experience, we have to try to just give ourselves space and give ourselves time to trust that when we're ready to find that right meditation, we will. Yes, Um, I love that. Just patience, have patience with ourselves. And I think that's another big area that women miss, just have patience with... We have patience with everyone else but ourselves. It's quite incredible, actually. And that's where the self-doubt can also be tied in with a difficulty in trusting ourselves, a difficulty in being compassionate with ourselves, whilst all the time we offer those things freely to others, but not to us. So the self-doubt and the self-worth very much feed into those And it all stems back from a lot of our programming from that zero to seven years of age that we've got sitting in our subconscious, some of the memories, the habits we formed, what mood we're in. There's a whole bunch of things that can really affect how we think and how we feel and how we behave. Hence, back to what I was saying before about really taking time to explore ourselves and really taking time to know ourselves. And it's not an overnight job. Right. It it takes time, but to, to slowly take small steps is probably one of the most helpful things I think that I certainly did for myself. Um, I guess the other things just to, to, to round off, apart from sleep, water, meditation, is exercise, activity and outdoors. I'm a massive fan of outdoors and going on a hike, going on a walk, but getting out in nature, I find it so incredibly grounding. Just the moment I've stepped out, you know, side, I instantly feel better. Yes. Um, and finally, I, I think this kind of encompasses some of the things I've spoke about already, but finding ways to create space for ourselves within the day, be that five minutes, 10, 15, an hour, if we can afford it, that belongs just to us. 
that's actively for our replenishment. Mm -hmm. We might think, oh, well, we're going to replenish ourselves by going to sleep. Right. (laughs) So, so, you know, I'll replenish myself when I go to bed tonight. But it's not the only form of replenishment of our energy, of of our nervous system that we need in order to function well. And building some either ritualistic habits in in the morning or at night or it's at lunchtime that's just your space and stick to it and look forward to it and ring fence it and and have the boundaries around it that protect it should somebody try to, to get you to shift it. Yes. <laughs> do something else is the most important thing that I've found is, is super helpful because then it's an act of self-love. Yeah. It's an act of self-compassion and saying, no, actually, I need this time. I need this space and I know I'm going to be better for having this time or this space to do whatever, you know, acts of self-care and replenishment that really nurture me that actually I end up being able to um, show up even better with that person who wanted to talk to me on that call about X or um, somebody who wanted to spend time. Again, it comes back to changing my energy. I think that is so important. And I, you know, one of the other things I've done on a started on a daily basis in the last year is I'll write down the five things I'm grateful for each day. And what's been really interesting for that is as I look back over the last year, the entries, they almost fall specifically into, you know, four or five different categories. And mm-hmm. I think this is a lot of what you're talking about. They fall into, you know, kind of nature, family, friends time to be inspired or writing or whatever that is Mm. and probably meditation. But so it really helps for me to look back and go, Oh, okay. These are the five areas where I feel the most vitality and I'm taking care of myself. The best is when I'm, you know, and so I think it just kind of goes along with what you're talking about. Like find those patterns that are making you feel more energy and feel excited about your life and then find ways to bring those into your each day. Mm, absolutely. And I think things like we think that we're aware, you know, I think I think we've got 5% consciousness, 95% unconscious mind. Right. And we are sense making creatures. So for every piece of information that comes into our life during the day, we're trying to sense make based on a set of rules that we've we've got from memory from growing up from what we've experienced, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And we try to do it quickly you know, uh, in order to kind of keep the brain ticking over. So we we leverage those old pieces of information and patterns to sense make quickly. So Alison, if there's one piece of advice or encouragement you would give to all the women out there listening who are chasing their dreams right now, what would it be? Mm, It's an interesting question. In terms of when we're dreaming, we feel that it is just that as a dream. And many of the people that I'm coaching or have worked with, etc., feel that it is just a dream and it'll always be a dream because they can perhaps have some resistance, some barriers, or feel stuck as to how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And we can easily find roadblocks and we can easily find reasons not to do something or why it's not possible. So again, I would probably bring it back to taking time to really explore yourself. Yes. Um, with the aim to know and to understand yourself better. I guess in doing that, all will become much clearer and you'll know what you want to do and you'll be able to take action with ease and make those dreams happen and make them reality. And I guess by doing that as well, it'll enable you to take just small steps daily. It doesn't need yes. to be a big bang approach, just small steps. But everything starts with having that clarity 
So if you're not completely clear on what your dream is, why you want it, why it's important to you, how it's going to change your life, how it's going to make you feel, why does it matter? And I haven't done that exploratory work. Again, our commitment to actually making it a reality can become a factor in it not becoming a reality. And we can keep in that space where we spoke about earlier, where it's easier to live the life that we live yes, than live the unlived life within us, because there's that gap between the two. And the gap often is understanding and knowing ourselves in order to make it a reality. Well, I love this. And listeners, I want this to be your rallying cry. I want you to take some time today, get away from the noise and really think about what some of the things Allison has said and how you can make that unlived life within you come to light. Allison, thank you so much for being with us today. You've just brought so much inspiration and encouragement to the listeners. So I really appreciate it. No, thanks, Laurie, for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think you and I could talk to the cows come home. <laughs> we really can. We really, really can. <laughs> we, I think we're going to need to have you back on soon so we can have a part two to this discussion. <laughs> Super. Sounds fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a review or rating on your podcast player of choice. If you have a future female leader that you would like to hear on careering, please leave us her name and contact information at the link below. Thank you.